Hello, it's 19th of November 2017, and this is episode 49 of Scavenger's Horde, a Star Wars podcast. I'm Rachel. And I'm Kirsty. We're here to deliver a regular rundown of Star Wars news, analysis, and commentary, with a focus on the sequel trilogy and the future of the saga and how effing amazing it is today! <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe it! Oh my god! I, I'm sorry. Contain yourself, Rachel. <laughs> it's too hard. I know. <laughs> it's when this big news drops just before we're about to record. It's like we don't have time to process stuff and calm ourselves down. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I'm really sorry if you're expecting sensible and collected today because that is not what we're going to be because we have just had the first articles break from the latest EW coverage of The Last Jedi. And oh boy, <laughs> there are things in this that appeal to our interests. Shall we say sorry? Oh god, I'm gonna sound deranged. It's really bad. <laughs> yeah, if you haven't done so already, please do rate and review us on iTunes. We love you. You're amazing. The world is amazing. It's a beautiful place. And <laughs> yeah, what a effing amazing day to be a Star Wars fan and a Raylo. And a Raylo, guys. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, I ne- I need to bring it down. I'm like Finn with Phasma and TFA. It's like bring it down, bring it down. <laughs> like okay. <clears throat> the first story is that we have some EW covers, stories, and stills. And it's all amazing. Kirsty, could you please talk about this? Because I can't right now. Okay, so the first thing we got were the four covers, right? Mm-hmm. So there's Ray and Kylo, and these are images that we've seen before, but they're kind of photoshopped together. Yeah. Not well, in my opinion. <laughs> EW covers are never photoshopped well. Sorry they to look be like fat- bitchy, but... <laughs> Yeah, I spend a lot of time on Tumblr looking at fan edits, and these are kind of similar to those, to be honest. But fan edits um, are better, typically. True. <laughs> so we've got Kylo and Rey, uh, Luke and Leia, Holdo and Poe, and Finn and Rose on BB-8. Mm-hmm. So that's exciting. So we got those first, and then they were like teasing these articles about Luke and the Falcon, and um, the treacherous bond between the Scavenger and the Fallen One. <laughs> Which is like the fanfickiest thing I've ever heard. Anthony, calm down. Yeah. My favourite is um the caption that had abandoned and then Yeah, so they're really yeah, they're drawing hard parallels between the two of them, right? And they they did that explicitly when the article came out. They were talking about how Ray was obviously abandoned and how Kylo felt abandoned because his parents cared about the cause of the rebellion. Mm-hmm. Uh he felt more than they cared about him, and that kind of fostered a resentment. Yeah. So, yeah. It's all incredibly, incredibly exciting. Um, I think the best place to start with this is probably the article. Um, basically, we've had two articles so far, and the first one released was about Mark Hamill going back on the Falcon again for the first time since the original trilogy. And don't get me wrong, that's great, but it's not really new things it's mostly comments that we've heard similar things to that elsewhere so i'm not going to read that out because i feel it's a bit redundant but we are definitely going to read out this story on kylo ren and ray because it is the opposite of redundant it's very amazing and beautiful and wonderful i love anthony brosnikin (laughs) okay um right this article is kylo ren versus ray in The Last Jedi, the danger is becoming allies instead of enemies. Oh my god, I didn't read the heading before. 
Okay. He hates her, this girl, this garbage picker, this amateur who somehow drew his family lightsaber to her hand, overpowering his own bond with the Force. And yet, Adam Driver says Kylo Ren can't help but harbour an admiration for Daisy Ridley's Rey in The Last Jedi. He has been aware of this ability in himself from such a young age, and I don't think there's a lot of people around him who are on the same level, the actor says. I think that there is something familiar there, as well as something to be feared, or something that he can't quite place. This burns at him too. He craves respect, so he has none to spare. It just wells up in him as a more corrosive envy. Ray is unburdened by these distractions. She doesn't think about him at all. The dynamic between them, the dark and the light, pushing and pulling at each other, is the heart of the December 15th film, and although they are on opposite sides, their fates are still interlocked. That's why writer-director Ryan Johnson paired them on the first of EW's four covers devoted to the movie. That's the interest and that makes it sound like it was Ryan's choice to say, okay, mm-hmm. put those two together. Ray doesn't have his will to power over others. All she wants is to understand this ability that appeared within her and to use it to help others. She doesn't really know what she wants, Ridley tells EW. She really is trying to do the right thing and morally her compass is really pointing north but that she could still be led astray. The resistance is really not that much to her, the actress says. I mean, she's been left her whole life, and very quickly is eager to sort of help other people, which is wonderful. She wants to be part of something. I mean, everyone wants to be part of something. But when Luke Skywalker displays fear toward her, and rejects her rather than embracing her as a student, Ray feels cast out. After all, Luke banished himself rather than help the resistance and has now decided that the order he devoted his life to must end. The last Jedi will find her adrift. That's where Kylo Ren once found himself too. The darkening sun. Both of these main characters know what it's like to feel abandoned. Driver says Kylo began turning against his mother and father, Leia Organa and Han Solo, because he felt they cared more about the rebellion and rebuilding after the fall of the Empire than they cared about him. That created a bitterness that ultimately consumed him. I think the idea of someone whose parents are very much devoted to the cause, that's something a lot of people could relate to, whether it be religion or politics or a business, Driver says. Not identifying with that cause yourself, I think, can give someone a complex. Selfish, sure, a little, maybe more than little, but it's also understandable, even in our world. Ironically, Kylo Ren just rebelled against an actual rebellion. Looking around and not seeing yourself and not identifying with what's around you, I think, affects how we behave, Driver says. After the events of The Force Awakens and his choice to end one of the most beloved figures in George Lucas's universe, Kylo is still trying to figure out if what he did was the right thing, if only for himself. From his perspective, what he's done is hopeful. If anything, he has justice. I think he's surprised by how he would feel after Han Solo. He's hoping for hope. He's hoping for clarity. Is redemption possible? There's a big part of the story yet to be written, and not by me, says Johnson, who will hand the trilogy back to The Force Awakens filmmaker J.J. Abrams for 2019's Episode Nine. But I don't think it's very interesting. If the whole story is just, will Kylo get his comeuppance? He's a more complicated character than that, and I think he deserves a more complicated story than that. I don't see the point of trying to get behind his mask and learn more about him if all we're going to learn is, yeah, he's just an evil bad guy that needs to be killed. Two unstoppable forces. When Rey feels rejected by Luke Skywalker, he also sees parallels between the power in her and the abilities of his estranged nephew. The old Jedi Master inadvertently pushes the two toward each other. 
This is very much about Ray trying to figure out how she fits into all this. Much like any of us as we're growing up, as we're transitioning from childhood into adulthood, Johnson says. You're going to meet people who you think are going to help, who don't. And help is also going to come from unexpected places. That unexpected place is Kylo Ren. And the situation she finds herself in, alone, underappreciated, is similar to where Ben Solo found himself when he broke from his Uncle Luke and followed the Knights of Ren down a darker path. Supreme Leader Snoke, the enigmatic ruler of the First Order, detected the power in him and saw someone who could be swayed, but the young man's shaky resolve means he could also be swayed back. Anybody that's committed to anything, at a certain point in their life, you kind of constantly question why you got into it in the first place. Driver says, Ray and Kylo Ren are reaching toward each other in combat, but each one could also end up pulling the other to his or her side. <laughs> Kirsty, talk about this, please. <laughs> yeah, this is satisfying to read, because this is what we were saying would be the premise based on the ending of The Force Awakens, that that film was building up to show the parallels between these characters, how they seem to be opposing sides, but actually have a lot more in common than they perhaps realize right now. Mm. And that while they're enemies and there's this antagonism, as Adam says, like there's this almost reluctant admiration that Kylo feels for Rey. Mm. So that's going to be explored and she's going to be left in this place. Like they straight up say that Luke is going to reject her. Yeah. Um, and she's going to be pushed towards Kylo. And that's kind of what we got from the trailer as well. So I know there was all this talk after the trailer came out that that was going to be misdirection and everything. And I know that there were certain scenes that looked like they were together but weren't. But that's that's posing this idea that the two characters are probably going to team up in some way. Yeah. And And we also have those new photos that they've released that show Kylo and Rey in what looks to be Snoke's throne room. And mm. Rey's... She has her back turned towards Kylo, so that implies that by that point in the movie, she has some level of trust toward him. Yeah. Um, because he's supposed to be her enemy, but she's looking away from him, like she's not expecting him to attack her. Yeah. So something big has happened between them by that point. Exactly. Um, this is just so overwhelming, and I, I just have to apologise, because I really am struggling to think about articulate and interesting things to say because it is just so new as i'm talking about it it broke maybe 20 minutes ago and we've been recording for like 15 of those minutes so i literally was able to skim read this twice before we started recording and obviously i just read it again now for the podcast but yeah this is just overwhelming to me um and this sounds so stupid it sounds like i'm making some kind of like oscar speech or something which is pathetic but it's overwhelming in the sense that for so long you kind of feel like you're feeling in the dark a bit in terms of your extrapolations from The Force Awakens and in terms of your predictions for how the character dynamics might evolve and how these people might relate to each other because you can you obviously have the good foundation of the film you're working from, which is The Force Awakens, but that film could be taken in many different directions and so you're never quite sure that the direction you're thinking of in terms of your theorizing and your interpretations of things, you can never be completely confident that's the same direction the filmmakers are thinking of. But this, this article confirms to me that, yeah, what I saw, this seems pretty much what Ryan Johnson saw. And in terms of what I thought would be the most logical extrapolation from what I saw, 
It seems like Ryan Johnson's doing similar things along those lines. When I say I, I don't mean <clears throat> me in isolation. I mean me as part of like a wider community, specifically the Raylo community, because yeah, this is basically the key tenets of Raylo. And I'm sorry, but because the community has just been shat upon and dismissed and treated so badly for so long up until recently obviously it's changed because the dialogue from the filmmakers and the dialogue in the promotion has changed but for so long we were treated like laughing stocks and like people who had no idea of the story and were just reading it all wrong this is just such sweet sweet vindication and it's just amazing yeah we've been told that we're not real fans so yeah (laughs) it's kind of nice to get this stuff and be like actually yeah we we were just kind of saw the story and where things were going mm. um, in broad strokes, obviously, because this is just promotion. So yeah, sure. this is what has me really excited because this is honestly, I've been like talking myself into thinking like, do not get your hopes up for too much. Right. Because at the end of the day, this is just a two and a half hour movie. There are tons of characters and tons of subplots. Yeah. Um, how much are they really going to be able to execute on? But because this was all their intent, however they do it you know ryan is obviously very talented he'll be able to figure this out um and they've been talking about how pleased they are with the movie Mm. um and yeah so even though we like saw all this stuff in the force awakens and have been speculating for a long time as to how it might play out it's still very nice to get it from these kind of sources yeah. And to think, oh, this is just the promo. It's not even the actual movie. So, like, this was more than I was even expecting from the movie. <laughs> yeah. You know, it really lays it all out there. Because that's the thing. If they're saying, like, oh, they're going to team up, it's like, well, what are the big surprises in the movie itself? Yeah. You know? Exactly. Like, like you say, it just throws up so many questions. And it's like, dear God, there must be some really big stuff in store if the fact that Ray and Kylo teaming up is cleared for promo in November. You know, that's amazing. And I think this is going to mark a watershed moment. It wouldn't surprise me now if we actually start seeing like trailers where Ray and Kylo are shown together because they're not keeping it secret anymore. Mm. They're letting us know that these characters interact and that they are important to each other's journeys. So up until now, there hasn't been a single shot of... Ray and Kylo in the same space. There's obviously that shot in the trailer of Kylo Xin in his hand, but that's different because those shots are clearly from different scenes. But now I just I think we're seeing more, and that's almost dangerous territory. So it's like, oh god, do I need to stop with the TV spots now? But I I don't think I can. I don't have that willpower. So oh no way. Um, especially like we have a podcast, so we need to know everything that's coming out. <laughs> I like how you always sound like a bit like. No, 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 no. We need to watch those two as oh, well. <laughs> obviously, you can make that choice for yourself. <laughs> I'm teasing. I'm, I'm not going to force you. <laughs> yes. um, although we do send each other all the articles that are coming out and, you know, sh- and fangirl together. But yes. yeah, I, I can't look away. It's too exciting. And I know I really, you know, it's it's great when people have the willpower to just be like, okay, I'm having an internet blackout now and I'm just going to wait for the movie because I already know I'm going to see it. Mm. But for me, so much of this is it's the excitement of anticipation yeah it's true it's just so fun to read it all and theorize and Mm. so yeah and they're not going to be giving away key things in tv spots everything that comes out in tv spots is things they want us to know about and be aware of in advance to some extent you know like it's just about getting you excited and getting you amped up but they're not going to like spoil a crucial moment in a tv spot so 
Yeah. Right. Oh boy. Um, were there like any particular revelations in this Rain Kylo article that stood out to you in particular? Like just beyond the general ball of. Awesome? I guess even we'd had our suspicions, but it's kind of nice to hear Adam talking more specifically about um, Kylo falling because of that bitterness he felt towards his family, like caring more about the cause than him. Yeah. Um, it's probably a case of unreliable narrator because we know from The Force Awakens that Han and Leia loved their son very much. Yeah. Um, but he felt that way. Mm. So, you know, it is what it is. Yeah. And, yeah, I think it's going to be very powerful when Rey discovers this stuff as well because obviously, and we'll talk about it later, but we've had that TV spot where she talks to Luke, says, Kylo failed you, I won't. So yeah. that's her perspective based on The Force Awakens, because we had Han telling her, like, you know, his apprentice turned against him, destroyed it all. So that's the premise that she's going into The the Last Jedi with. And yeah. unless people read this stuff and take it on board, that's kind of the premise that they're going to be going in with, too, that Kylo's yeah. evil, he's gone, he's fallen, and that's it. And then kind of the rug's going to be pulled out from underneath her. Yeah. Sorry, I'm trying... It's hard to, like, look through it, because we've only just got it and pick out the key quotes. Yeah, exactly. Like, I love that final sentence, ring Kylo Ren are reaching toward each other in combat, but each one could also end up pulling the other to his or her side. And I love that so much because that sends the message, it's not just about Rey maybe going to the dark side, it's also about Kylo maybe going to the light side. So I mm -hmm. don't think the mainstream is talking about that so much. It's all about, oh my god, Rey's going to be tempted to the dark side. And this makes it clear, like, that is not the only question. That's not the only possibility. That's one of various possibilities and they're all legitimate and all worth discussing and oh my god like like I'm sure a whole bucket load of exciting stuff is going to happen between now and the next time we record but I feel like I could talk about this article for hours and still not be done with <laughs> this it. This is the thing we're at the point where it's hard for us because we're so used to like breaking everything down and going into quite substantial depth but we're at the point where there's going to be such a load of information that we can't do that exactly uh, it's like crunch time almost i also love the um part of it where it's talking about how kylo relates to ray um and in terms of that dynamic says i think that there's something familiar there as well as something to be feared or something that he can't quite place like just the idea of there being this unidentifiable feeling or attitude towards her that is so like of i'm not saying like yes or anything, but I think it's probably the compassion, um, mm. which you mentioned before we started recording, Kirsty. Like, we've spoken about it many, many times, how there's that deleted exchange in The Force Awakens, where it's like, you have compassion for her. And I think that's probably the something, that he probably doesn't want to feel that, because he also feels this hatred and resentment and envy. But, yeah, like... I think ultimately what's really going to become key is this more complicated, difficult feeling that he probably doesn't want to have, but he's going to have to own up to and engage with in some way. Yeah, we've had hints at that like for quite some time now, right, with things like J.J. Abrams' commentary and the stuff from the databank saying that they have a mysterious connection. Mm. And even Kylo himself saying in the, the movie, don't be afraid, I feel it too. Mm. So there is this bond of some kind between them there's this affinity that they recognize something in each other yeah um that is in themselves so it sounds like that's what's going to be explored as the the core of their story yeah um, that they 
yeah, feel that they're on opposite sides, but there's some kind of connection between them. Yeah. No, totally. Um, right, I, I'm never going to get over this, but should <laughs> we move on to the other aspects of the EW coverage, like, quite yeah, quickly? Yeah, so I don't know if you've seen them, but there are some more photos that have come out. Like, there's there's one of Snoke I just saw. He's on a hologram. Oh, could you link me to them, please? Uh, yeah, one second, sorry. Thanks. Oh, wow, that is amazing. Snoke looks freaking terrifying. <laughs> wow. He reminds me of the Wizard of Oz face in that one. Just the way he's mm. just this big floating face. It's scary. It like, I know we've seen Snoke has a hologram in The Force Awakens, but this just has a really sinister quality to it. And because I think that he's looking at Kylo, so mm. there is this like, is he summoning him here? Is this the beginning of the movie or is it the end? Like, obviously, we we still don't really have a firm grasp on the timeline. Mm. Um, yeah, that, that to me looks like what Kylo's looking at in that spot. Yeah. With the going across his face i'm projecting here because of course i am but that kind of expression on snoke's face that absolute fury that suggests someone who's kind of losing it a bit like someone who's like frightened almost that they're losing control and yeah like i think he might be trying to get kylo to toe the line through intimidation Mm. again that's extrapolation heavy extrapolation but like i i don't care i'm throwing all caution to the wind at this point like, predict freaking anything, man. Wait, I just saw a new version of it, and it looks like he's talking to Hux. Ooh, ooh, show me, show me, show me. Oh my god, my friend is going to be so excited. And he is talking to Hux! Oh god, it get, looks like Hux is getting a bollocking. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I love that I just came up with that theory, and it's immediately proven wrong. <laughs> 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 but that's fine. That's why you don't become overly attached to your throw your caution to the wind predictions um that is an amazing snoke face wow i love it like hux is quite impressive really to be able to keep his chill in response to that you know i'd literally be cowering if that face were in front of me so yeah respect man he reacts once snoke's disappeared from the (laughs) the interaction goes and has a little cry (laughs) wow (laughs) that's incredible wow okay right should i go through the other slideshow pictures that came out before yeah okay so right the first picture is of finn and ray and sorry the first picture is of finn and rose and bba on the casino planet of canto bite uh i'm pretty sure that's wrong actually it's the casino city but you know what i mean um right and the caption says we begin with finn and rose escorting bb8 through the affluent corridors of power in the casino city of canto bite there you go i shouldn't have even tried not exactly the kind of place you want to be caught wearing a grubby jumpsuit or a hand-me-down jacket but at least the droid looks sharp <laughs> god there's so many typos in this ew coverage i know i've put it up really quickly yeah they must it must be a bit of a rush job bless um <laughs> that's mean though um right okay so what do we think about this photo i really like it because rose is smiling and i think it's the first time i've seen rose happy and i want rose to be happy so yeah, yeah. she always looks concerned and stressed out bless her yeah exactly. which i guess makes sense you know they're in war heavy stakes but enjoy the casino <laughs> yeah exactly we're like struck dumb guys we're struck dumb from like excitement it's all just too much i know this is people are gonna be like what are you even saying (laughs) this is not insightful i promise we're trying (laughs) (laughs) okay right 
then the next shot is of a creepy Luke looking over Ray on Act Two. Yeah, this looks like Ray basically starts to try and train herself, right? Yeah. Because he's just like, no, not interested. Um, out of the game. <laughs> She's like, okay, well, because there wasn't there a TV spot where she looks down at the bag and the saber's back in it, which implies that Luke doesn't take it from her. Yeah, and um, or at least gives it back. And she's got her her staff, and then she switches to the saber. So she's just like, yep, I'll just give it a go myself then, I guess. Yeah, I think that's exactly what's going on. And the caption here is Mark Hamill's Luke Skywalker watches from a cliff on the Jedi sacred island of Actu as Ray practices her skills with his old family lightsaber. Ryan Johnson could have just made me another benevolent Jedi teacher, but, you know, we've seen that before, and no one can do it better than Sir Alec Guinness, Hamill says. Instead, this Luke is a broken warrior, and he sees dread in this young pupil, rather than new hope. Ooh, I love that last line, I hadn't read that before. That's really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I love it, because I'm so excited to see how Mark pulls us off, because it is very different from what we've seen of Luke before, but that's what you need. Mm-hmm. It's different, but really interesting. And yeah. I think that would be what any actor would want, to be honest. You don't want to be playing it safe. You want something bold that gets you out of your comfort zone a bit. Exactly. And Obi-Wan was great for the purpose that he served in the original trilogy. Mm. But Luke is more important than that. Yeah. like we, We've gotten backstory since of Obi-Wan Kenobi, but in the original trilogy, really, he's just there as like this, as he says, benevolent mentor figure. Yeah. Luke deserves more than that. He deserves more of an arc. Exactly. Obi-Wan's like a facilitator. Like, at least in the original trilogy, he's more of a fully realised character in the prequels. But yeah, in A New Hope, Obi-Wan's like just there to push Luke along his journey. Mm. Um, right. Next one. <laughs> uh, yeah, this is the shot of Rain Kylo we mentioned before, but I'll just read it again just so we have the caption. We'll explore the push and pull relationship between these two force wielders in another story coming soon, which is amazing, which I just read. But for <laughs> now, here's Daisy Ridley's Jedi hopeful in a dangerous situation with the looming presence of Adam Driver's Kylo Ren behind her. But what I find interesting is that it's not like an intimidating presence at all. Like you said, Kirsty, she has her back to him and mm-hmm. his body language is not like, I'm here to stop you from leaving. <laughs> It's more like mm-hmm. hanging back and like looking on with interest. It's really hard to say, of course, because he's out of focus. But mm-hmm. it's just an interesting stance, you know? It's... Oh my God. Okay, so it's really hard not to form headcanons about what we're seeing and like try and form connections between mm. what we've got from various materials. So just looking at this now, this is like confirmation. Even okay, from the trailer, we knew that she'd gone to Snoke somehow, but now we know that Kylo's with her. So it's like, where, at what point does he reach out his hand? And the implication here is that she takes it, whether literally or not, but they are teaming up in some way, and she goes with him to Snoke mm. because she hasn't got the answer she needs from Luke. Yeah, exactly. Like, And I think that makes sense because Kylo needs to believe that like Snoke is the representative of the right path and that he's helped him and that he's shown him the true way of doing things, the good way of doing things. And Mm -hmm. so if he offers help to Rey, it's natural that he'd say, look, come along to my master. Maybe he can help you too. And he would probably be completely sincere in that. I don't think it would be like a sinister thing as far as Kylo was concerned. Like when he makes the offer, like I think he would mean it as an offer of help because Luke has rejected her, but Snoke won't. And yeah, I think just the 
implications of the fact that that potentially happens and the possibilities of what could happen following that is all like mind blown Mm -hmm. yeah i mean we've seen behind the scenes footage of them both looking like they're fighting the praetorian guards so Mm. for now that's kind of my headcanon but i am totally okay with it being wrong you know, yeah. like at this point, we've had we've got so much reassurance that we were generally on the right track that I'm just like, well, if the movie plays out in this really surprising way, I'll be equally excited because that'd be really cool. Yeah. Next one's a nice shot of Ryan and Carrie together behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. After Carrie Fisher's unexpected death last year, The Last Jedi will mark her final appearance in a Star Wars film. Seen here with filmmaker Ryan Johnson, her job in this movie is to hand off the reins of power to Leia Organa, Oscar Isaacs, Poe Dameron as both a surrogate son and a potential leader for the Resistance. So yeah, it makes sense that she'd kind of be trying to compensate for the absence of her real son by attaching herself to Poe like she does. Mm -hmm. And that's something we already saw in Bloodline because we saw Leia and even Han taking young people under their wing in that movie so it seems like it's something that's not even traced back to Ben's fall to the dark side it's traced back to when they sent Ben away to train with Luke because they Mm -hmm. haven't had their child with them for a long time this the shot of um, Poe and Leia looks like it could be around the time we've heard that she slaps him Mm. you know there's like real intensity there yeah she looks pissed (laughs) it's great I love Carrie's expression. She's just bringing it, and mm-hmm. oh, it's so so good. Like I would not cross that lady. She looks amazing. Um, <laughs> yeah. So this next shot, it's of Poe and Carrie facing off, and the caption here is: Oscar Isaac says he and Fisher had a similar relationship to their characters, seen here in the midst of a first order attack on their fleet. We've always been very direct with each other, you know. The actor says there was just such an honesty. And it's a really beautiful little scene that happens here between the two of them. I, I also wonder if um, this is from the scene that we've seen in a TV spot, where like Poe is like permission to jump in an egg swing and blow something up, and Leia's like permission granted. Like obviously this is a more antagonistic moment than that because in the TV spot they're like getting along and jiving, but I could see this evolving into the permission granted moment. Yeah, I, I'm really excited to see them together because. I liked what little we had of them in The Force Awakens, but Carrie was so underused, I felt. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it's just going to be intriguing to see like how we're going to get this new generation um, of the Resistance. And I've had hints that Poe is just... He's just going to take it a bit too far sometimes and be a bit too reckless. Yeah. So what implications that's going to have for both the Resistance and the First Order. Exactly. All uh, right. Okay. And then the next shot is a fabulous shot of Holdo, played by Laura Dunn, who is amazing and a legend. Another character EW will explore in more depth is Laura Dunn's Vice Admiral Amalyn Holdo. She steps in to bring new vision to the Resistance, but ends up clashing with Poe Dameron, who has different ideas for how the war should be waged. Um... Like, I really like the sounds of that. It makes me think of uh, Leia, Princess of Alderaan, because in that book, Holdo, she's presented there as a young woman, like a teenager. Um, and how she's often used is that the others will be stuck, there will be some kind of dilemma, and then Holdo will come out with some really like odd, all-out-there suggestion, 
And people mm-hmm. be like, what the hell did you just say? <laughs> and then people will actually think about it and reflect on it and they'll realise what she means and they'll realise she's actually had a really good idea and it'll be a bit oddball mm-hmm. and about out of left field, but it will work. And yeah. I kind of sense she might be being used in the same way based on this. Me too. I wonder if there's going to be this contrast between Poe, who's a bit of a hothead and like just goes for it and wants to cause as much damage as possible. Mm. Um, and then she is taking more of a non-combative kind of maybe diplomatic or yeah like like, as you say an unconventional approach and and they're clashing and they've got to figure it out between them exactly so yeah i'm curious to see what they do with that character laura dunn's such a great actress so i'm sure she'll bring Mm -hmm. it the hair continues to look fab oh it does purple hair is (laughs) for the win um then there's a shot of the falcon which is fine but i'm not going to talk about it um (laughs) yeah and i think the other shots are like all trailer shots like so there's shots we've before like Ray in the rain, Kylo holding his helmet. So I don't think there's enough to say about them to warrant talking about them one by one. Would you agree with that, Kirsty? The captions are interesting, like the one with Kylo and his helmet. Um it says Kylo Ren loses his helmet in this movie. If smashing it to pieces in a white hot rage counts as losing it. <laughs> Adam Driver says the anger and unhappiness inside the former Ben Solo makes him push himself to extremes. He's constantly trying to prove something, if only to himself. As with anybody who has faith in anything, it requires doubt, Driver says. That makes you more resolute about how you move forward. So again, emphasizing that Kylo is unhappy, he has lots of anger, and he's filled with doubt, like even after killing his father. Yeah, which is what we want to see. So yeah, it's good. Um, Can you remember there being anything else worthwhile in the slideshow, Kirsty? Um... There's the bit, again, uh, with the, the walkers on crate and they confirm that it's Kylo's shuttle over them. Mm-hmm. I've seen some debate over whether it would be Kylo's shuttle, because apparently that's not... they That shuttle is used for various other people in the First Order as well. Okay, I didn't know that. I, I'd, I'd seen that somewhere. I, I don't know for sure if it's true. People were just debating it, but this says it's definitely Kylo. So, And we've seen that shot of him walking with the troopers on crate as well, so it makes sense. Yeah. No, I think people are just confused trying to work out the timeline again, but I've given up with that kind of thing. Yeah, I've stopped thinking about the timeline too hard. It just creates more problems. Yeah, and apart from that, there's just the covers again, so. Okay, cool. Unless more has come out since we we started podcasting, that's totally possible. Do you want to check um, EW Twitter quickly? No, I think that might be it for now. Good, I'm not sure how much else my heart can take, to be honest. <laughs> I want to survive until December, please. <laughs> Yeah, so then the next thing to discuss goes back to the regularly scheduled program, which is to say the notes I actually had prepared before all this stuff was dumped on us in the best possible way. Um, But yeah, the next thing to talk about is that there have been a bunch of TV spots and promos. And the first one is that there's a pretty curious promo from the UK. And basically it's part of this initiative to try and get more women and girls into the STEM subjects. So like science and engineering and maths and all that kind of good stuff, which I'm personally hopeless at. But I think they're awesome and it's great to encourage more people to go into them. Um, But anyway, the point is that as part of this initiative, there is a very brief Star Wars promo. The key point here is that the Star Wars promo features our very first shot of Rose in the movie, as opposed to behind the scenes. And yeah, it's just a really cool close-up of her in one of the skimmers on Crate, and Mm -hmm. she looks really great, and she looks really determined and really intense. What do you think about this? It's really cool to see her. I'm excited, and I want more. 
Um, mm. So we have her in, her in one of those, and then we have Finn. Have we got images of Poe in one yet? I think so. I couldn't remember. It's hard to keep track of everything. It is. Like, it was like it was a weird shot from the side, and I couldn't be 100% sure, but I'm like 80% sure it's him, if that makes sense. So, yeah, there's this big battle happening on Crate at some point, and Rose is involved. I'm intrigued to see how Finn and her are at flying. Yeah. Because it's neither of their profession, but I don't know, it's Star Wars. They all seem to figure it out, don't they? Exactly. Right. Then the next thing is that there is a Darkness Rises TV spot. And this is one I mentioned briefly before. Unlike the key new thing in it is that there's this exchange between Leia and Poe where Poe asks permission to jump in an X-Wing and blow something up. And Leia says, permission granted. Um, so yeah, it's just a nice, fun, like action-y beat. And it plays well in the trailer. I don't think okay. there's much else here, though. I don't know if this is just me. Mm-hmm. It's probably not, because I had to watch this several times before I could even understand what Poe was saying. He was speaking so quickly. Yeah, I struggled. <laughs> I was like, a permission for what? Yeah. <laughs> like, why are you talking so quickly? Was it sped up for the trailer or something? <laughs> I hope so. This is a strange delivery. Yeah, it's really odd. Maybe uh, like Ryan was so stressed about trying to fit everything in that he's like, oh gosh, I better get things moving. <laughs> Talk really fast, Oscar, please. Oh my gosh. I'm I'm guessing it's like, obviously it's a very tense situation. Like they're probably being attacked for him to say that. Yes. But still, like the audience has to understand what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I know that in the background of them in that shot, there's like one of those helpful comparison charts. That compares the supremacy, like the super duper duper Star Destroyer, whatever they call it, to like other Star Destroyers. And the supremacy is the freaking huge one that's going over both their heads. And then the normal ones are like the ones below it. So yeah, mm-hmm. it's just way of showing scale. And, but yeah, we knew the supremacy was freaking huge, so that's not like a huge thing. Right, then the next thing is there is a Kylo Failed You TV spot. Um, and... This is quite the little masterpiece, in my opinion. I love this TV spot, and it's one of my absolute favourites so far. Um, do you want to talk people through it, Kirsty? Um, yeah, sorry, I feel like I've had so much I can't even remember. I've watched this one several times because it's one of my favourites too. Yeah. But you've got Ray meditating, and again, like the dialogue from the teaser, like what do you see, the light, the darkness? Mm. Um. And then you have this shot of Kylo. And this is what I thought he was. I thought he was looking at Snoke from here, like that new shot we've got, because yeah. it looks like the same shot. The background is where he is at the beginning of the full trailer, like inside that hangar. Um, and then he turns around and it looks like he's looking at a hollow, but it could be something else entirely. But again, he just looks really sad and worried. Yeah. And then we get this cool interaction between Ray and Luke Luke has tears in his eyes. Mm. It's really fantastic. And um, she's saying, Kylo failed you, I won't. So this is obviously the point where she's still trying to get Luke to train her. Yeah. Uh, And trying to distinguish herself from Kylo and saying, I'm not like him. This isn't going to happen to you again. Don't worry. You can have faith in me. Mm. Um, But it's somewhat undercut by the Entertainment Weekly article. We just get that is drawing these parallels between them and saying that Luke is going to reject her. Yeah. And push her towards Kylo, however she might feel about him at the beginning. Exactly. Yeah. And 
I mentioned it even before the UW stuff came out, but that line kind of failed you. I won't. That just reeks of dramatic irony to me. And it has since the beginning. It's the kind of line that you include so that the character can fail in their promise. Like, because she's looking with such, like, wide-eyed, like, optimism and innocence. And it's like... I do think there could be an element of Ray failing him, but I also wonder if it would be kind of indicative of Luke feeling like he failed Kylo, too. Mm, that's a really good point. You have Obi-Wan saying that he failed Anakin, you know? Like, if someone falls to the dark side, generally the people around them who care about them feel a level of responsibility. Yeah. It's obviously more complicated than that, and people have a choice. They always do, but this is going to relate heavily to the story of whatever happened between Luke and Ben. Yeah. I think there's also potential for it to look like Ray fails Luke. Like, I don't know, like midway through the film or something. Like, when she turns her back on him and goes away. But then in the end, she could do him proud, but not in a way that either of them would have originally anticipated. So, like, yeah, if she does prove to be like a healing influence on Kylo, for example, you know, that would be mm-hmm. like a triumph that Luke himself wasn't able to manage, but she would be doing both of them proud if she were able to make any progress in that kind of area. So yeah, like I think there's all kinds of possibilities that are raised by that sort of setup, and it's fascinating. Mm-hmm. Yeah, with these high-stakes stories, it might always look like someone's going to fail when they're actually going to succeed in a way they hadn't expected. Yeah. And the way Luke could never hope at this point either, because he's, he's totally broken. He feels like there's no hope left. Yeah. And then this girl comes along and somehow fixes it, even if it just seems like that's not going to be how it goes. Yeah. So. Exactly. So I think it's got to get very, very dark, but then there's got to be like some... Like hopeful resolution to it. It's even an empire that's obviously talked about as if it's like the darkest dark to ever dark, and it's amazing and serious and <laughs> so intense. And yes, it is those things, but it's also ultimately quite light and joyful and beautiful. Like, and it doesn't end with like Luke hanging from like the aerial on Cloud City. It ends with him like hugging Leia and them looking out like with hope and optimism for rescuing Han going forward. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there's going to be some kind of reprieve to all the darkness and all the stress and all the fear. I think. Yeah, sure. And then we have Finn's side of the story with more dialogue from him saying we have to fight. Mm-hmm. So I really like the way that a lot of the the lines we're getting from Finn are about him figuring out what he's fighting for because we saw the beginnings of that in the force awakens but that was very much focused on ray mm. and how that's going to be taken forward and generalized into him finding a cause um that he believes in yeah so it's really powerful stuff it is it's really great um and i just also want to mention that at the very beginning of this tv spot um you hear luke saying you've seen this place and ray says only in dreams and in like the most airy, like almost Disney voice, <laughs> and I just love it. It's just, yeah, that's great. It's such like a mystical thing, and I love that because I love Star Wars most when it's like really super mystical and fairy taleish, and the idea of like Ray just having the island in her mind for so long, like as this kind of like mythical destination that then she actually reaches in person. That's such an attractive idea to me, and I love it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I love the way it connects that 
moment in The Force Awakens when he's looking into her mind and we have that foreshadowing and it comes full circle. Like it really tells you that Ryan was paying attention to these tiny little moments that we've obsessed over yeah. from The Force Awakens, but it's all connected together. Because people have had concerns about this, right? That it was just going to somehow be a new story or not really gel together. But yeah. it's so clear that he was looking deeper mm. um, and kind of taking things in a way that would make sense going forward. Yeah. And make the narrative really rich because then you have these moments where you can go back. And because of this, like here, he, he, people might be going back and watching The Force Awakens now and seeing it there for the first time. Yeah. That's really awesome. Exactly, which I love. Um, right. And then the final one to discuss is that there's been a new TV spot called Heroes. And I love this TV spot again. It's it's between this one and the Kyla Failed TV spot for me. These are both just so great I can really choose between them. I think Kyla Failed probably just edges it out because it's a bit longer. But the Heroes TV spot is also amazing. We get to see Finn wake up. And what I love the most is that he is literally shown to wake up screaming Ray's name. Like, it's as if he's woken up and in his mind he's still there in the forest on Starkiller Base because he hasn't, like, caught up with his actual surroundings. And then there's a shot of him talking to Poe and Poe says, you must have a thousand questions. And, of course, Finn's first question is, where's Ray? And that's so perfect to me because, of course, that would be his first question. Like, Ray is the person that he went to Starkiller Base to save. Like, he pinned everything on her. So naturally he's going to be scared out of his mind for her because the last he knew she was unconscious and he was the only barrier to stop Kylo just kidnapping her again and yeah he he must think that she's Kylo Ren's captive or anything so yeah oh my god it's so perfect I love it I know I can't wait to see the moment where he's told that Ray kicked Kylo's ass yes. and has the force and has gone off to train with Luke Skywalker like yeah <laughs> Uh, you know he's out for a little while and everyone's getting these delusions of grandeur like it's it's just like oh you've got to get him up to speed now yeah i'm so curious to see how they handle it because it's the kind of thing where i sort of think they're gonna have to do something like that's a long story <laughs> or that we have a lot to tell you <laughs> or something because of mm -hmm. course the audience knows that ray has the force the audience knows that ray kicked kylo's ass but I also really, really want to see Finn's responses to those things. So exactly. even though it's kind of redundant, like that he the information is repeated, I, I just want to see how Finn reacts because it's too delicious. Yeah, exactly. It would be amazing. Like they could even play it for comedy or it could be just like Oh. John has such range, you know, they could really do anything. Yes. Very cool. He's awesome. Um or if you said all we want to say about the TV spots, sorry, I feel like I'm rushing through it a bit, but I think I'm just I, on adrenaline. I think so. That was the major new stuff from the Heroes one, right? Yeah, it I, was. I, again, I was like, oh, you don't have Rose in the one called Heroes? <sighs> yes. <laughs> sorry, I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep complaining about this, people. Yeah, sorry. I really think we have to get at least one Rose-centric TV spot. Like, she needs to get the spotlights at some point. So it's not like they're hiding her; they're putting her on the cover of Entertainment Weekly. So, exactly. it's like, <laughs> so close yet so far. Um, right. Then we have two brilliant new posters. And the first is an IMAX poster. And the second one is for Dolby. I won't go into detail about describing these because you can just look them up easily. 
but I think they're both really great posters and I actually prefer them I think to the official theatrical poster that they just both strike me as more stylish and I like and I think the space is used better but what do you think Kirsty? Um, yeah I like the the use of this red riding hood motif for mm. Rose for Ray uh, you mean? Rose for Ray sorry <laughs> don't worry I did that earlier um yeah, like I just feel like it fits really well with the the red background. She's positioned in the middle and um yeah, I it's just intriguing because it's like she's in the middle and then you've got the dark side on this side and the hero's on that side, but she's facing towards where Kylo is. Mm. It's it's really hard not to read into this stuff because that's what posters do, but they're all designed differently, so it's like you see what you want to see. Yeah. But visually, it's just beautiful. Exactly. I'm very impressed with a lot of the posters for this movie. Yeah, the art's stunning. If you could only have one of these posters on your wall, which one would you choose? Of these two, you mean? Yeah, of these two. Um, The one of her in the cloak, Mm. I think. Yeah. I just think it's balanced a bit better, and I just prefer the colours. Yes. I think the overwhelming red on the Dolby poster is a bit too much. I'd prefer to see it with like natural skin tones and stuff. Like, still have all the red in the background, but I think making everyone red like that makes it look like they all have really bad sunburn, and it's not a good look. But yeah, mm-hmm. it's still a beautiful poster, and I still love both of them. But I think I agree with you, and that I prefer the red riding hood one. Yeah, I mean, nothing will beat the original teaser poster for me. No, but uh, I've been very impressed with a lot of them that we've gotten since then. So exactly. Sad Kylo is the theme at this point, by the way. <laughs> so I felt it was hard totally. to say. I'm just sending oh. you something else that we got from Anthony Bresnikan. Okay. I think it was posted maybe with the Kylo and Ray article. Mm. Right. You see that with him talking about Snoke? Yeah, yeah, I'm looking now. Oh, God, that's mm. so good about Snoke. Shit. Yeah, I'm, I've been waiting for that because that's been for so long. They've been really dancing around this because obviously a very difficult thing to talk about yeah um but we've had hints of it in extended canon with books like aftermath yeah i'm just kind of and the, and the novelization for the force awakens as well went into bigger detail of leia talking about this yeah do you want to read out the quote kirsty um yeah so this is from a, a video that anthony bresner can put out with the article about kylo ren and ray in the last jedi and he's talking about kylo and he said his motivation connects to something that actually a lot of people can relate to in our own world imagine he, Adam Driver, said, having parents who were totally devoted to the cause, more devoted to the cause than anything else, including you. We're going to see a Kylo Ren who turned dark because he felt like he was already in the shadows. And Supreme Leader Snoke, like a lot of predators out there, identified a vulnerable kid, reached out to him, befriended him, and lured him to the dark side. Wow. That's so seismic. Yep. <laughs> oh, it's all there. The woobifying of Kylo is coming from inside the house. Yep. He's a vulnerable kid. <laughs> no, oh my god! Wow, so that that basically confirms that Snoke groomed him. Then we've had this, like the way that it was described in Aftermath, even though it wasn't confirmed that it was Snoke, like mm. reaching out to him when he was a fetus. Yeah, horrible, like really, really disgusting stuff. Yeah, for Leia to be watched like that because he knew that her child would be strong with the Force. This is so sinister. Yeah, and I. I'm really glad that they're making it explicit now because this is something that a lot of us have talked about in the fandom, but because it's something that is 
very sensitive for lots of people for obvious reasons and has like a real world parallel. Mm. Um, it's been very controversial because a lot of people have said it's not there. If it's not explicit, then you're kind of putting this on the character because you want him to have this sympathetic sob story yeah, and like kind of let him off the hook. And this does not excuse him for his crimes. This is the thing, right? Mm. Like, even though he was, and it's, it's a difficult thing to talk about because people can get into issues of victim blaming and, so I'm I'm glad that it's being put out there now by an official source. Yeah, it's a really good comment and it's like indisputable now because there's been so much back and forth over whether this actually happened. But yeah, this is just saying, yeah, this happened. <laughs> this 100% <laughs> happened. And yeah, like it's not even about excusing the character. It's just about explaining what happened to him exactly. as a child and allowing some insight into how he came to be, how he how he is. And I think that explanation makes perfect sense given the character we saw in The Force Awakens. Because, like, Snoke is incredibly creepy with him. He is, like, all about praising him and being like, oh, you're my good boy. Obviously, he doesn't say that in so many words, but that's what he means. And, Mm -hmm. yeah, like, it's just typical grooming tactics. And, yeah, it's just... God, this is also good. (laughs) Yeah, and it obviously draws the clear parallel between Kylo and Anakin, who was pretty much groomed by Palpatine from the age of nine. Yeah. You know, made to feel like he was a trusted friend who had his back, and then he basically tricked him into falling to the dark side, because he, he lied to him and said, I can save Padme for you. Yeah, exactly. Uh-huh. So we've already seen lots of manipulation. Right, and then the next thing to discuss is that Sci-Fi Now has some Last Jedi coverage. Um in this segment, we're just going to run through the interviews with each of the three actors, so Daisy, Mark and John, one by one, and then we're just going to quickly discuss their comments. There's some cool stuff here, but none of it will like take ages, so yeah, we're not going to be here for hours discussing this, but we still wanted to bring it up. So, Daisy. How would you describe the story of The Last Jedi? Ryan has written a story that's unexpected but right. Some of the story will really surprise you. Even though everyone knows it's the second in the trilogy, it feels like its own thing. It's pretty epic. What's different about the script for The Last Jedi? Lots of people had been saying how much they loved to watch John and me on screen together in The Force Awakens. But I suddenly thought, how are people going to react to me being with Mark? As soon as I read it, I talked to Ryan about it, and I loved what he said. It made everything seem great. Was the dive as terrifying as going face to face with Kylo Ren? Um, and previously, Daisy had said that a dive into the water was like the main memorable stunt for her. But I, I cut those parts out because it's just talking about her feelings on set. And then she says, "Facing up against Kylo was intense. Adam Driver is big and strong, and it was intense. I was thinking, can I genuinely survive this fire? I don't know how long I can last because he's so strong." And then, what do you like most about Ray? I like the way that Ray is open to everything that's going on, even though there are doubts holding her back. As a normal girl from London, I can see myself in that. Ray can be strong, but she can also be vulnerable. She can be angry when things go wrong, and sad when things are sad. I like that all of those nuances are represented in the character. Um, yeah, I, I think all these comments are great, and I love Daisy. Yeah. And she's awesome. What do you think, Kirsty? The way she talks about Ray you can see that she appreciates all these nuances in her that both JJ and Ryan have written in. Yes. That, you know, she's strong and vulnerable and she has that anger and she's allowed to feel things and those feelings are valid. 
Yeah. Um, yeah, that's what I love about Ray. So that's really exciting to see that that's going to be explored in even greater depth. Yeah. The quotes about her fighting with Adam, they're just mm-hmm. funny to me. <laughs> Is that because of how naughty it sounds? <laughs> There's innuendo in there if you look. <laughs> if you have a twisted mind. <laughs> Yeah, so I guess this is kind of implying that they're going to have some kind of physical confrontation. Mm. Because she's saying facing up against him. So, you know, we've known for a while that Adam was filming with them in Ireland. So maybe it is that we get that physical confrontation. Because we we want a rematch, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, We just don't know how that's going to end and cause some kind of progression there. But that sounds cool. It does. I guess it's possible she could be talking about fighting him in The Force Awakens, but I doubt it. It probably applies to both, to be honest. He's big and strong and intense in both films, one imagines. (laughs) Can't be that different. Um, But yeah, I love this, and I love that it's all about Rey as a person, rather than Rey as the daughter of hypothetical father number one. Uh Because for so long we've sensed this frustration from Daisy in terms of the question she gets asked about, who's your daddy? Which is basically <laughs> the only question she gets asked. And yeah, like it's so good to see her, as you pointed out, Kirsty, just highlighting the nuances of the character and highlighting how mercurial the character is. Like, it's not necessarily that she's always one thing. Like she like, is like a normal human being, amazingly. And she responds to her circumstances and her situation and she can feel this whole spectrum of emotions. And yeah, it's really cool. And I like that she's highlighting that. Yeah, it's awesome. Um, right then interview with Mark and this is just a quick little snippet I only included one part Mark's an excellent speaker but he's also a very verbose speaker so <laughs> when you're being ruthless and getting right to the core things you have to cut out a lot of Mark so apologies and then he was asked it does feel important that Star Wars try new things exactly yeah and I think you should take risks you can't please everybody God knows. I thought they were way too critical of the prequels, and a lot of it was because it wasn't what they wanted, and people become very possessive of it. It's their story, so God forbid you do something that doesn't fit the preconceived notion of what they want. And I wanted to highlight this quote above all the others from Mark, just because I felt this is so incredibly true. Like, even, like, I do this as a fan, you know, we all have our own ideas about where things are going to go with this story, and it's easy to become too attached to those ideas and then respond aggressively to what actually happens. Mm-hmm. And what I do as a fan is I always try, and it's hard. I appreciate it's hard, okay? But I try really hard not to attach myself too firmly to those predictions and those theories and those expectations. Because at the end of the day, it's not like I'm the director of the movie, I'm not the writer of the movie. I do not control the story. Like, I is well within my rights to have ideas about where things might go, but you also need to have a certain flexibility so that you're not an asshole about it if things don't go your way, basically. Exactly. You know, it's fair to feel personally disappointed if you were invested in it going a certain way, but I cannot stand this. I don't know if it's like a recent thing or if this is the way fandom has always been, but this idea of like directly contacting the people who make the thing you supposedly love and then being horrible to them, Mm. it's just never going to be acceptable to me like that is just terrible behavior yeah Uh, we don't own it we are fans we enjoy it and it's their story to tell yes so 
yeah, something to always keep in mind. And I like that Mark's talking about that. However, it ends up going. Um, I like that he's sticking out for the prequels as well because that was yeah. the story that George Lucas wanted to tell. Yeah, it's not going to be the story that every fan wanted, but that's not the point. Exactly, it's not about serving up fan wish fulfillment because that would probably be like a movie where it's like the last ten minutes of Rogue One, but drawn out to two hours, so Darth Vader just wrecking shit. You know, that's probably what a lot of fans had in their minds when they thought, ooh, prequel series are exploring the origins of Darth Vader. That's what they wanted. They didn't want this cute little sandy-haired moppet. And you just need to get over it because it's not the <laughs> It story. is what it is, yeah. yeah. Yeah, if The Last Jedi ended up not going the way that I expected it to based on everything we've gotten, and I have been trying to temper my expectations, as I said, but it's really hard. They make hard, it really hard. The, yeah, all the promo is so awesome. You really do have to talk yourself back down. But it, it's just a movie at the end of the day. Like, we're super invested, but it's not our story. Like, yeah. that's just so important to keep in mind. Exactly. I would never pretend that I wouldn't be, like, disappointed. And I'm not, I don't mean, like, disappointed if it didn't follow my exact hypothetical mind script of where I think the film will go. So I think it's absurd to think that you have this very, like, planned out version of the story in your head and then you expect the actual film to follow every beat that is just the road to ruin that is never going to happen um but i think it's fine to be disappointed if it doesn't follow your general ideas of where it will go and i would be disappointed if it didn't follow my general ideas about where the story will go which is things like kylo will become more human and layered and like sympathetic to a certain extent will understand more about kylo's background and why he is like he is will understand more about ray's background and will see how she came to be left on this place and all those kinds of things you know i i would be upset if we didn't go at least a bit in that direction um and that's fine to admit it's just don't be an asshole basically yeah and i think mark's talked before about the fandom treatment of jake lloyd Mm. and how terrible that was because he was a child yeah um and he was just doing what george lucas wanted for the character yeah which i don't even think i don't really understand why people have such a problem with it maybe it was a problem with the idea itself rather than jake's performance that they didn't want to see vader as such a young child i think that's it to be honest i love that george did that like i thought i do too point to humanize this big bad and see how he fell. How did he get to that place when he was just an a regular boy with friends and a family and he had compassion for people? Like that's powerful. Exactly. Yeah. Um I think people almost don't like their um villains to be humanized, at least not to that extent, but it doesn't make any difference to what we're getting, so yep. <laughs> yeah, that's a big part of Star Wars for me. So same. Uh right. And then John's interview. How does The Force Awakens director J.J. Abrams compare to The Last Jedi's director Ryan Johnson? It was very evident what J.J. was doing in terms of trying to make sure that Seven didn't feel too alien to what fans were used to. Ryan has been given the challenge to make the story different. He's been asked to make it unique and expand the Star Wars universe. They are both very collaborative as directors and they are articulate, smart dudes. As a fan, did you have any worries when it came to The Last Jedi? It would be a concern to me if Stars played it safe to the point when the new generation didn't get to have their Luke, Sky- Luke Skywalker or Darth Vader moment or shock and reveal. I feel like that's part of the culture of Star Wars and Ryan's in line with that. I speak to a lot of Stars fans. A lot of them are friends. 
but everyone says to me, Okay, Rey is the Jedi. Eventually she's going to defeat Kylo Ren. Finn is a rebel. Together they are going to win, and they are all going to have a nice day. With that in mind, I feel like we have to be super careful to not fall into the line of what the other films have done. We have to take a risk, and I really do believe that is what Ryan is doing. And I believe it too, John. <laughs> and I'm happy. So, yeah. Like, I'm really happy that John pointed this out, though. So I do mm-hmm. think it's important to state this. Is It relates to the previous conversation we were having about Mark's comments. But fans do have certain ideas about where things will go. And it's just the importance of being aware of how dangerous it is to have assumptions about things. Yeah, and I I really like that he's saying that they need to take these risks for the sake of the franchise's future, and that mm. this generation deserves to have its own moments like the, the you know those big cultural things. Yeah. Um, and not necessarily in the same way because obviously you can't have another "I am your father" reveal and get the same result. Um, but just that this story has to kind of, even though it's linked to the previous trilogies, it has to stand on its own two feet, and um. Yeah, emphasize the fact that it is about these younger characters now and their story and things are going to go in these cool directions that challenge them and make them grow. Yeah. So, yeah, the way he's describing this, like, oh, Rey's the Jedi, she's going to beat Kylo. They're all going to have a great day together and be the heroes. Like, that's just not the satisfying story that Ryan wanted to tell. Yeah, it's not an interesting story, really, to be honest, let's face it, because it doesn't change anything that's just the status quo as of the end of the force awakens or at least it's what people believed was the status quo based on the force awakens mm-hmm. um and yeah there's no narrative if things don't change if everyone's just static and remains on the same sides and in the same company then what what is the story it just turns into like a saturday morning cartoon you get the good old team back together and they all go off and fight the bad guys and of course they win the day because they always win the day and that's just not interesting so yeah it absolutely should not be what they do and it's great that they're not doing it mm-hmm. right then the next thing to discuss is that total film have a great cover story on the last jedi and by the way the previous interviews from sci-fi now and this total film coverage we're able to read this thanks to the transcriptions by slimo who we've been thanking every podcast for like the last few weeks but that's (laughs) because she's done such an amazing job of cataloging everything and bringing everything to our attention so thank you again um but yeah i'm just going to pick out some key quotes from this total film coverage and then we're going to discuss them uh right Then this is from... Yeah, sorry. Despite the fact that he's taken the characters from The Force Awakens and pulled them out of their comfort zone, Ryan Johnson admits to being driven by his own intense Star Wars fandom. He also asserts that the film will be very much a continuation of The Force Awakens, narratively, stylistically, tonally. As much as I could, I was trying to maintain the tone because it's a continuous story, he says. And, in fact... You know, some of the things we do get a little heavier in this movie, but I was very conscious of trying to continue the tone from the last movie. It was delightful. It was a blast. And I didn't want to lose that. I didn't want to descend into heaviosity with this movie. Is that a word? (laughs) I don't know, but it sounds great. (laughs) It does sound great. All that said, The Last Jedi will be anything but a repeat of TFA. 
The second chapter has a very different function from the first chapter, and I knew there were going to be things that were different about it, just the same way that there are things that are different about Empire from A New Hope. Um, I'm just going to pause here. I find this interesting in relation to some murmurs I've seen. I think it was Jason Ward in the latest Now This Is Podcasting. He said something along the lines of, the people who've seen The Last Jedi have said they feel it makes The Force Awakens look worse in retrospect. And I kind of can't help but think that that is perhaps down to a misunderstanding of what Ryan is pointing out here. And that is the fact that these two films, The Force Awakens and The Last Jedi, have completely different functions. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure The Last Jedi is amazing. Everything I've read about it makes me so incredibly hyped and excited. I'm not in any way disputing that. And I, at this rate, I fully expect it to be the superior film, to be honest, because everything just sounds so great. Although I reserve judgment until I actually see it. But I think it would be a mistake to think, oh, The Last Jedi was great. Why couldn't The Force Awakens be in a being more like that I think that fails to acknowledge what Ryan acknowledges here which is that there's a very different purpose for the first film in the trilogy from the second film in the trilogy yeah it sets the stage yeah like The Force Awakens was always going to be a less interesting film honestly Mm. because that's how trilogies have to work yeah you have to introduce the characters you have to have a little exposition of how did we get to this place and then the last jedi is going to come along and kind of bulldoze a lot of things yeah it's going to change our perceptions on things so yeah that's just that's just how it's going to work i don't think it means the force awakens then looks like a lesser film it's just they serve different purposes for the narrative yeah exactly the force awakens is like a bridge basically Mm -hmm. it's a bridge across 30 years and I think it did a fantastic job of being a bridge. I'd say it was a very well-engineered bridge. And I love it very, very much. But yeah, I'm sure, to be honest, there will be some kind of backlash. People will be like, oh, The Last Jedi is this transcendent, amazing, daring experience. It just shows how lazy and tired and repetitive The Force Awakens was. And I'll just be like, oh, I'm not here for this. Go away. But I shouldn't be this jaded. I shouldn't be like, oh, I'm already tired of this discourse before it's even started because <laughs> it's going to be tiring enough when it does begin if it begins so yeah but yeah do you like these comments Kirstie is there anything else to say about them besides my weird and oddly specific tangent I do I think it's perfect the way he's talking about how it's a continuation of what we saw in The Force Awakens but it's mm-hmm. not the same movie like that's yeah. that's the exact right balance in my opinion yes. the, the tone is going to be it it has to flow flawlessly, really, because they don't even have a time jump. Yeah. Um, and it's going to have those moments of levity as well, because Star Wars has those different highs and lows. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I know people always talk about how dark Empire is, but it's also a really funny film. Yeah, people forget that. Yeah, like dark stuff happens, but dark stuff happened in The Force Awakens too. Look, Han Solo died. <laughs> yeah. Like and to be honest, like I remember as a child, the film that frightened me the most, or at least the film from the original trilogy that had the most scary moment for me, was always a new hope. Because it was those freaking burning smouldering oh skeletons God, outside the homestead. That freaking traumatized me, man. You yeah. Know? <laughs> like Empire Hank got nothing on that. <laughs> <laughs> I always think Revenge of the Sith as well. Oh yeah. my god. Like I remember seeing that in the cinema and seeing Anakin burned alive. How do you get darker than that? Come on. 
Yeah, no, it's so funny and interesting. I think it's probably because Empire was such a seismic moment for this saga, and it's mm. probably the moment that made it so memorable. I think people attach all these things to it that aren't necessarily true, but yeah, it's all fine and good and lovely. Mm. So, right. Okay, then the next quote. For Johnson, writing for Luke and Pals was something of a childhood dream realised. You type Luke Skywalker into your screenplay programme and then start typing dialogue and you get chills. Ha <laughs> <laughs>, laughs Johnson. Or Leia, you know. But also, I'll tell you the truth. As much as growing up with Star Wars and that I was looking forward to working with Mark and Carrie, the thing that really hooked me and I think hooked so many of the folks that are into these movies is the new characters from The Force Awakens. Thank you, Thank Ryan. You. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yes. Someone said it. Thank you, Jesus and God. New everyone. characters. It's not the Luke Skywalker show. <laughs> yes. Seriously, this is so, so important. So I still hear people talking about the sequel trilogy as if it is just a continuation of Luke's story. And it's like, no, it is not. Of course, he has a story in the film, but it is not his story. It's not like the Star Wars sequel trilogy belongs to Luke Skywalker. It's like, nope. And Mark has been so upfront about that. And now Ryan is being upfront about the fact that it's the new characters that the engine of the story. And it's like, thank you. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Every time Ryan speaks, I'm like, oh, stick to my ears. <laughs> I love you, Ryan. I love you so much. Then the next quote. If the final trailer is anything to go by, the parallels between Rey and Kylo Ren, a former apprentice of Luke's gone rogue, remember, will become even more apparent. From the script of The Force Awakens to seeing the film for the first time, I feel like the dynamic between those two is fascinating and complicated and had a lot of potential. Grins Johnson. That was one of the things I was really excited to figure out ways to get into on this one. The gasp-inducing sign-off to the trailer suggests Rey reaches out to Kylo to... Show me my place in all this. Although Johnson assures us that if you've seen the trailer, you shouldn't think you know it all. We all love the trailer because we look at it and we say, God, it looks like it sells the cow, but it doesn't. Not because it's tricky or it's misleading you, but because there's just a lot more. It doesn't give you answers. It gives you questions, which is terrific. Ryan is such a freaking Raylo. I'm sorry, but he just is. I feel like this is just stuff that we have said. Like, mm. and in the best way, you know, like every yeah. time he talks, I'm like, yeah, that's what we were saying about the trailer. Obviously, the scenes were not the same. Like, she wasn't literally talking to Kylo. You can tell that. Um, but it, it raises the question thematically of what the story is going to be, where Ray finds her belonging. Mm. And it's not necessarily with Luke. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, like it lays it out there. But it's laying out the dynamic, not this is literally what happens. Exactly. And yeah, like it's so good to read these kinds of comments because, yeah, right, Ryan is saying it how it is, you know? Because, and we've said this before, like on the podcast even, but the fact that the editing is tricky doesn't mean there's no substance to the message being conveyed. They want to convey a certain message for a reason and that's because that message and the questions associated with that message is important and relevant. Mm-hmm. And that they're not going to like cut in a shot of Hux 
as Tyler <laughs> is extending his hand, you know, because that would just be crack and it wouldn't be relevant to what the actual story is. They mm-hmm. cut in Ray and Kylo together because that is a key dynamic. And I noticed that in the EW coverage, I didn't comment on it at the time, but now the message I'm getting is that the dynamic between Ray and Kylo is the heart of the movie. And that's interesting. So that's a change in messaging from earlier on. I think also in EW, where it said that Luke and Ray was the heart of the movie. And I can only guess that the movie is like Doctor Who. It has two hearts, clearly, because... <laughs> Yeah. Well, I I do think that's kind of true, right? Mm. Based on what we were getting from the beginning of that initial teaser poster, like it yes. is going to be about Ray choosing between paths. Yeah. Um, and just the way Ryan talks here about Ray and Kylo being fascinating and complicated with a lot of potential, that's what we've been obsessing over for two years because that's what we saw as the heart of The Force Awakens. Exactly. Um, and we don't know the answers, but that's okay. Like that's that's what the story's there for. We're along for the ride. Um, yeah, pretty good and it, guesses at some of them. <laughs> sorry, the smoker, sorry. I'm saying it's fascinating and complicated because it is complicated that they're supposed to be adversaries, but they have this connection. Like, that's the conflict. They're going mm. to feel confused and, you know, like, can we trust each other? How do we team up and share goals when we appear to be so different? Mm. Um, that's the story. So I'm here for it. Yeah. It's awesome. Right. And then the final part I want to read out is this. The jury will soon be in on where Johnson's effort rates in the canon, but for now he has the bittersweet experience of handing back the reins to J.J. Abrams, who is returning to the saga to direct episode 9 after Colin Trevorrow departed due to creative differences with Lucasfilm. J.J. has seen several cuts of the movie. He's such a fanboy. And he read a few drafts of the script, says Johnson. He's been a great cheerleader throughout the whole process with and with very helpful notes. But that was all in the context of just wanting his opinion as a filmmaker. That was before he was doing Nine. We've had a couple of very small conversations, but nothing substantive about Nine. But the truth is, I'm not really going to be involved at all. And yeah, I'm really happy they've been talking to each other. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure there will be other conversations further down the road. Because I think I removed the context again in the interest of time, but I think this article was clearly written before the news came out about Ryan directing his own trilogy. Mm-hmm. So I think it's like, oh, Johnson is now leaving the saga for good. <laughs> yeah, that was funny. It's like, oh, he's going to step back and just enjoy it as a fan. It's like, oh, bitch, you thought. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, yeah, so it's already a very outdated in terms of the context of these comments. But yeah, it makes sense that like Ryan wouldn't want to be too invasive with JJ because he wants to do JJ the same favour that JJ did him in that he wants to just leave him to follow his own creative ambitions and tell the story he wants to tell without saying, oh, actually, I thought Ray and Kylo would end up doing this. I thought Luke would end up doing this. I thought Finn and Rose would do this and that kind of stuff. You know, he doesn't want to dictate things. And I think that's a cool move. And I think it's an understandable move. But yeah, I'm sure there's much more co- cooperation and co- feedback between them and stuff, which will be good. Um, mm-hmm. What do you think about these comments, Kirsty? Oh, I think it sounds great. And we already knew that JJ loved it. He said um, after The Fourth Awakens came out that he almost wished he was able to direct episode eight, yeah. which was a great vote of confidence for Ryan. Um, mm. And yeah, it's just kind of echoing that they've been in contact Everything's going to flow together. JJ presumably is working on nine right now. 
um yeah not much else to say really yeah just that they're they're in touch and everything should flow together yeah exactly i'm so so excited right then the next story is that oscar isaac has been interviewed by a squire and his comments are as follows and if you did see Star Wars The Force Awakens, you'll know that, due to some major father-son conflict, there's now an opening for a lovable, roguish, leather-jacket-wearing hero. Hey, says Isaac, fonty style when I say as much. Well, there could be, but I think what The Last Jedi director, Ryan, did was make it less about filling the slot and more about what the story needs. The fact is, now that the Resistance has been whittled to just a handful of people, they're running for their lives. And Leia is grooming me, him, to be a leader of the resistance, as opposed to a dashing rogue hero. While he says he has not that much more, but little more to do in this film, he can at least be assured he survives it. He starts filming episode 9 early next year. Um, Yeah, and I like this comment because, again, I think it's about refuting these fan expectations that the new cast are just these, like, facsimiles for the Mm -hmm. classic trio. Yeah, you can almost feel Oscar's frustration here. That it's like, actually, I'm not just a Han Solo 2.0. Yeah, exactly. Like, I think Star Wars is so iconic that people struggle to conceive of it beyond the previously established archetypes sometimes. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why these kinds of things are necessary. It's about, no, actually, it's going differently from what you expected. I'm not just going to be this character reincarnated. Sorry, <laughs> it's different. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like Han Solo as an archetype wouldn't necessarily even work today. Yeah. Like you have to update things for a modern audience. Yeah. And I think it's a much more interesting arc as well to be about this like reckless hotshot pilot instead of just becoming this like swaggering cool guy. He has to learn responsibility by taking on a leadership role. And that's a very different arc from Han, because Han's arc is basically about learning to care for people other than himself. So he starts out with selfish, and then he comes to care for others and love Leia. And his love for Leia is like his main motivator, probably, um, by the end of the original trilogy. And that is so different from Poe's arc, because Poe's arc well, he doesn't have an arc within The Force Awakens, but his starting point in The Force Awakens is he's this great guy, he's this ace pilot, and he's amazing at this job, and he's a real like icon in the Resistance, and all he wants to do is fight the good fight and help people. And then we're going to see this next film build on that. But what people aren't getting in some cases is that the foundation for the character is so fundamentally different from the foundation for Han Solo that mm-hmm. you can really like awkwardly retrofit the character to become like Han Solo. Exactly. And I know because The Force Awakens had these elements from A New Hope, um, and Empire and Jedi as well, to be fair, people attempted to look at these parallels and think, oh, that's because that character is going to be that character in mm. the new trilogy. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I thought Poe had a lot of parallels with Leia too. Mm. And... They're kind of going that with that idea in general if he's going to be the next leader of the Resistance, however that ends up being, but he's still going to be his own character. Yeah, exactly. It's, um, like I said, I think Poe and Leia, they're both very much about civic duty mm-hmm. and doing what needs to be done for the greater good. And yeah, that's not Han Solo. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, right. 
Then the next thing, it's quite brief but important to say, is that we have a runtime and a rating for The Last Jedi. The Last Jedi is going to be 150 minutes long, including credits, and it's been officially rated PG-13 for sequences of sci-fi action and violence. So absolutely no surprises in terms of the rating. That is exactly what you'd expect. And I love the length. The more of this film, the better, please. Those are my thoughts. How about you, Kirsty? <laughs> Same. You know, there are so many different story elements that they have to juggle. It makes sense for it to have a relatively long runtime. Mm. And if it's well made, it shouldn't drag. Um, exactly. I like sitting through long movies anyway. I know a lot of people are complaining about the new Blade Runner being too long, but I loved it. Oh, yeah, the new Blade Runner. Oh, my God. That's amazing. Yeah, that, just, that's the it, film to beat for me. If The Last Jedi is better <laughs> than that, it's a rock-solid masterpiece. Yeah. It just means people have to pay more attention, I guess. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then it's going to be a lot to unpack, but that's the kind of stuff that we love. So, Pay attention and have good control of their bowel movements. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, right. And then the final story, the cherry on top, if you will, um, is that there is a Padme young adult novel set for 2018, and this is from Jedi Bibliotech. And there is no information on this whatsoever, unless you know differently, Kirsty, other than the fact that the release date is tentatively April 24th, 2018. So we don't even have an author, for example. Mm -hmm. But seriously, just the fact we are getting a Padme book, ecstatic. I am so there for this. I am so so excited. (laughs) I saw it and my first instinct was, I have to send this to Kirsty. Yay! I am so happy. Yeah. Oh, this is just such an unappreciated character and I'm so glad that New Canon is kind of addressing that. We've had like the Force of Destiny episodes and everything and I think she's going to be in Star Wars Adventures too and I'm just like, yes, this is awesome. Give me all the Padme. Exactly. And... Yeah, we don't know which author it's going to be yet, but I'm confident they'll make the right choice. Exactly. Is there a particular part of her life that you're really intrigued to read more about? I feel like they're probably going to go for Between the Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones. Yeah, same. And I hope they do. So I think that's such interest in unexplored territory. Exactly. So it's, it's a decent chunk of time and it will be great to see Padme in a story distinct from Anakin. Mm, Don't get totally. me wrong, you know, Anidala is great, like, but I feel like we need to see her as her own character, like, not just in relation to the hero. Yes. So she can be the hero of her own story. That would be awesome. Exactly. I'd really love to see her dealing with that transition from being a queen to just being, like, a pretty regular person. Obviously, she becomes a senator, but like as more of a civilian I guess um, because that would be so interesting because she has changed so much as a person between The Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones because mm-hmm. you obviously see the girl Padme in The Phantom Menace because she swaps places for her handmaidens and then you just see her as this young teenager and that's really cool but I want to see her just completely be in her own person again like without all the like makeup and all the fancy gowns and stuff that she had to wear as queen like, mm-hmm. what is, like, Padme like when she's slumming around? <laughs> you know, I want to see that. So yeah. yeah. I was just watching Attack of the Clones again last night, and just the, the things that she says about feeling like she was not quite ready to be queen, and even though there had been there'd been younger queens than her in the past, she felt like she just wasn't prepared. Mm. Like, I want to dive into those kind of things more. Yes. Um, because 
so much of the emphasis on Padme is in relation to how Anakin responds to what she's saying. Yeah. Um, and I, I just want to get it from her perspective. Mm. So I'm excited about this idea. Yeah. Could not be more excited and looking forward to more information. It would be great. Mm. <laughs> um, right. I think we should wrap up here because I know you have places to be and I need to start editing this beast. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah what an amazing day and what great timing for our podcast because we were originally going to record yesterday but that would have been a huge mistake <laughs> so thank god we didn't um, but yeah I will get this up ASAP I'm Rachel and you can find me at Star Wars Nonsense on Tumblr and at Journal of the Star Wars and WordPress where can people find you Kirsty? I'm Bastila Bay on Tumblr and Scavengers Horde on Twitter Thank you so much for listening, and until next time, bye! Bye!